You're listening to a message from Impact Student Ministry, a middle and high school oriented production of the Summit Church. Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? Good to see you. Hey, I'm going to need some room through here. I'm going to need some room through here. Can y'all slide? I got to come hang out with you. Yeah, yeah, I got I to gotta be in there. I got to be amongst you. They want you up front. I want you pushed back so I can get in here. How's everybody doing? It's good to see you, my friends. It is so good to see all of you. Yes, it's a good night. Hey, tonight I'm very, very excited to be here because this, this thing we're talking about tonight, this is one of these things that is really, really, really big. I'm coming in, sorry. Hey, it's one of these things that's been kind of burning deep in my soul. So I am so excited to be here because I want to talk to you about something that, that's deep. And I want to get it out. I want to give it to you because you can do something greater with it than I can because this is so important for us. So uh, we got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm going to try to make it count. So those of you who take notes and keep track and are a little bit, you're a little bit kind of a control freak, uh, here's how we're going to do it. So here's our list of stuff. Uh, My buddy Caleb's in the back. He's helping me with all the slides. So those of you who like to know what's going on, this is your chance. You can write them down as quick as you can so you know where we're at. Uh, it, that's if you're just, like, very nervous, okay? So here's our list for tonight. M&M's and Reese's Pieces, iPod, Do and Don't, Coldplay, Beethoven's Ninth, Weird Fruit, Peace Sign, Roasted Pig's Foot, and Future Me, okay? Everybody got that down? So that's what we're going through tonight. We're going to have some fun with this. One more time. M&M and Reese's Pieces, iPod, Do, Don't, Coldplay, Beethoven's Ninth, Symphony, in case you're wondering, uh, Weird Fruit, Peace Sign, Roasted pig's feet. I'm sure someone had that for dinner tonight. And the future me. So we're going to talk about these things tonight. So we did something cool this summer at my house. We did 80s movie night. I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. This was a good time. Okay? And so one of the, the 80s brought us lots of cool things. One of the best things that the 80s ever brought us was some incredibly killer movies. And so we kicked off this summer going to the Grand Theater and watching Goonies, first of summer, in the big screen, right? As it should be, right? And so that's how we kind of kicked off our summer. Uh, And then we went through, we had a list of stuff, and on certain Friday nights we would go through them. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, Back to the Future, uh, right? This is good stuff, right? This is 80s stuff. Aren't you sad you were born when you were instead of then? But anyway, um, so I got to grow up around all this cool stuff. So I was telling my my dad come over at the end of summer, and we were telling him what we did. And he goes, hey, did you know that on E.T., which we watched, The Extraterrestrial, incredible movie, one of my favorites. Uh, Anyway, he said, did you know that on E.T. that they wanted to use M&Ms instead of Reese's Pieces? And what actually had happened... What actually had happened is they had reached out to the executives uh, at Mars Inc. and set, at Mars Candy, which owns M&Ms, and says, "Hey, we would love what we would love to do is we'd love to use your candy in a movie." Now, they, of course, they were very secretive about stuff. It was a Steven Spielberg movie, and they said it was uh, essentially it was going to be about an alien and a lonely kid, and and so they turned it down. M&Ms turned it down and said, "Yeah, we're not interested in that." And by the way, we can't really knock them that much. Because the last time Steven Spielberg kind of was kind of associated with an alien movie, it was in 77. It was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which scared adults, okay? So they probably weren't in the most normal thing. 
a lot of the rumors went around and said that uh, one of the executives said, nobody's interested in some lonely kid and an alien. We're not putting our product in there, and it actually going to cost us money, and people are not going to eat our product. So they were talking in a boardroom and said, well, we don't know. We need a bite-sized candy. Of course, we know now because we've watched the movie. But they said, and one of the, one of the people spoke up and said, hey, one of my favorites is Reese's Pieces. So they go to Hershey's, talk to Hershey's, and Reese's Pieces winds up inside of E.T. And three weeks after, in 1982, when the movie went out, sales tripled for Reese's Pieces because it was in a movie with an alien about a lonely kid, and it kind of worked out really well for them. But, but, but uh, and, I, and I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. My little sister, who's five years younger than me, I can remember clear as day, who she absolutely loved E.T. I remember clear as day, her running up and jumping up into my dad's arm when he would get home from work. He was a mechanic, and she would dig through all of his pockets until she found a, a, a candy, and most times it was a bag of Reese Pieces. I can still remember seeing that little scene in my head from my little sister doing it. It was that big of a hit. 2001. Uh, Steve Jobs, the CEO of Apple, got up and he said, hey, uh, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to introduce something to the world uh, that's brand new, that's the first thing that's ever been done, uh, and no one's really doing it. He introduced the iPod to the rest of the world and showed on, on, on October of 2001, he drops this thing out in front of everyone. Now, a couple things you need to understand about the iPod. Nobody was complaining about what we had then was called a Walkman. Anybody got one of those? Anybody have a Walkman? Yeah, yeah. So you put a tape in it, and you can listen to one side, then you have to flip it over and listen to the other side. They're kind of eclectic stuff now. Uh, if you were a little fancy, you got CDs. Problem with CDs, though, you could listen to the whole album, but if you walked around with headphones, it would bump and skip and stuff like that. So it didn't work out that well. But for some reason, nobody was complaining about them, but for some reason, this guy who loved music, Bob Dylan fanatic, Beatles fanatic, he said, hey, we, why don't we make something that people can just listen to lots of music? And so the the tagline, a thousand songs in your pocket, was coined in 2001, and he launches this thing called an iPod. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. It was one of those decisions that he made just simply because he loved music. Now, let's talk about the two, can we? Can we talk about Reese's Pieces and an iPod? Because they're something very similar. M&M's said, you know, we don't want to have anything to do with this thing. Now, why? What was their reason? It was, it, it, they thought it would cost them money. So for them, it was just a transaction. They were like, okay, so we're not going to, we're not going to invest our marketing. And I think uh, Reese's ended up investing like a million dollars into the whole marketing gig. And they said, we're not going to invest our money into that because really that transaction is not going to pay out for us. It's not a good one. So we decide to don't do it. Apple says, hey, people need music. People love music. Let's make something for people to have music. And I remember walking around. There was no Apple stores back in those days. There was one at Washington, D.C. that I drove to. One day. Yeah, I have a geek card. It's in my pocket. I drove to just to see it. And I remember seeing a guy walking around that mall with one of those iPods in his hand. They were $400 in 2001, and everybody was buying them. They made the decision. Apple said, we're going to do this. And so... And, and it was a transaction because nobody was giving away iPods. Nobody was giving away M&Ms. It was a transaction. And so what they decided to do is they said, here's what we're, we're, we're going to make a decision based off what kind of transactions that we can get. Now, the problem for don't and do 
is this idea has plagued American Christianity since the beginning. And that's where we come to you. This idea of Christianity and this idea of don't and do. When I was a child of the 80s, Christianity had been through about 20, 25 years, and they were so hammered, locked in on that word don't. I grew up in the 80s in Christianity, and the whole theme of most sermons from people like me standing in front of crowds was what your don't do, 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 don't do. It was a pandemic by the time we got to the 80s. It was stuff like this. I remember very vividly hearing people stand up and say, hey, there's glasses that you should wear, and they should have a certain type of rim around them, and some shouldn't. And it was like preachers teaching this kind of stuff. I remember them saying, hey, you don't go to the movies. Women, you're not allowed to wear pants. I heard the most unbelievable, crazy stuff in my life. I remember one sermon about a guy talking about that when he preaches, he's supposed to stand up behind a, like, wooden, I don't even have a thing up there, but like a thing to put your stuff on. And it had to be made of wood. And if it was not made of wood, then it was wrong. I heard the most crazy, ridiculous stuff you can ever imagine. And it was all under Christianity, and it was all what everybody was, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. And by the way, you can ask some of your leaders because some of them grew up in some of this stuff, just like me. Something happened in the 90s. We're going to chalk it up to grunge music. That's what we called it then, but I don't know. Something happened in the 90s, and it began to shift. We had this incredible shift that happened. And everybody started like having a conversation about it. They had a fancy word. They called it apologetics. But they, they would have this conversation back and forth. And the shift in the 90s began to go from Christianity is not about what you don't do. And they went to the opposite extreme. Christianity became about what you do. And it was you're supposed to do this. And 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 you're supposed to read your Bible. And you're supposed to pray. And you're supposed to come to impact. And you're supposed to worship. And you're supposed to uh, give. And you're supposed to. And you're supposed to. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. And it was just. It was absolutely. Well, you know, do, do. Anyway, it was a lot of mess is what it was. It was just constant over and over again. And so we've lived through this time of now that everything around Christianity is around do. So, so let me, let me, let me. Where's our problem with this? We've reduced the idea of God down to a business transaction that Mars would decide about E.T. and Apple would decide about iPod. We've reduced God down to some type of transaction. That God is some kind of an evil monster up there, but if I don't do for enough, he's going to like me. And if I do a lot of things that he likes, then he's going to like me. And, and, and so here's, here's kind of the problem. We've reduced God down to some kind of evil being that has this like conditional love. And he only loves you if you do this. And he only loves you if you don't do that. And we have kind of ruined this idea of who God is. This is almost two generations down the road we've been doing this stuff. There's a myth. There's this myth that God is some type of equation that we have to solve for X. God myth looks like this. If I don't or I do, this equals God likes me, which equals I get a perfect life. And so we've hung people out on this idea that if you don't or if you do, then God likes you. You know what that says about you? That only works if you're worthless. That only works if you're valueless. 
That only works if you don't matter. It only works if you have no worth and no value. That type of equation about God only works if you are nothing. So where did we get such a weird, crazy, whacked out idea? Coldplay? No, not Coldplay. But they wrote a really good song called The Scientist. And in the song it says this. Let's go back to the start. So I was listening to it the other day, and let's go back to the beginning. So if you would, let's go back to the beginning. Um, and, and for those of you that we talk about Jesus a lot, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi who come through this tradition of the Jewish people. So we're going to go back to the Hebrew scriptures all the way at the very beginning. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And let's see if we can pick up something in the beginning. So check it out. Now, I'm, I'm one of those people that I don't, I hate when people stand up here and ask me to repeat something out loud. But there's a highlighted word in most of these slides. And if you feel so inclined, you can scream it out. But if you don't, please don't. All right, so here's where we're going. Back to the start. So this is from Genesis chapter 1. And by the way, you should read this if you haven't read it because it's an incredible story. This is poetry. uh, And poetry is always trying to drive an idea of something that's hard to describe. So let's take a look at it. This is from the Message Translation. Uh, Very good one if you haven't uh, read it. God spoke light and light appeared. And God saw the light was good and separated the light from the dark. All right, Caleb, let's go to the next one. God named the land earth and he named the pooled water in the ocean and God saw it was good. All right. And then the earth produced seed bearing plants, all varieties, fruit bearing trees of all sorts. And God saw it was good. God placed them in a heavenly sky to light up the earth, to oversee the day and night, to separate the light from the dark. And God saw it was good. God created huge wells and all the swarm of life in the waters and every kind of species of flying birds, and God saw that it was good. God spoke the earth, generate life, every sort of kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds, and God saw it was good. God spoke, let us make human beings. This is you. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. He created them male and female, and he looked over everything he made, and he said it was good, so very good. So, where, so, so, so it seems to me that you're good. It seems to me that you're good. It seems to me that you have value, that you're worth something, that you're incredible. It seems to me that you're good. And this idea that you're a screw-up was never the way God created it. You're good. You're good. Do you notice he didn't use the word perfect? The word perfect was never used, but the word good is used something like seven, eight times over and over and over again because there's this idea that needs to get deep down inside that we were created in the image of the divine and we are good. Not evil, not horrible, not worthless, not valueless, not something that's no good, but something that is so good, so very good good. In 1824, Ludwig van Beethoven got up and conducted his ninth symphony in 1824. 
May of 1824. He gets up and conducts his Ninth Symphony. He stands up to conduct the orchestras in front of him. But 24 some years later, earlier, he was writing a letter to someone saying, hey, you know what? My hearing is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And by 1814, he was completely deaf. And now we have a deaf man in 1824 who's standing up to conduct an orchestra for a piece of music that he wrote while he was deaf. A man had watched him try to do this a couple years earlier, and it was an absolute, it just fell apart. It didn't work. So this guy told the orchestra, he said, I'm going to conduct you. You just watch me. Beethoven will stand in the front, and he'll act like he's conducting, but follow my lead. And they said that Beethoven threw his entire self into, into that production. They said he would, he would stretch his arms up as high as he could. He would squat to the ground. He would throw his body from back to back. He was conducting that orchestra like no one had ever conducted an orchestra before. The music finished, and he was still conducting because he couldn't hear that it ended. And somebody from the orchestra got up and walked up to him and turned him around. And he saw a crowd of people that were standing and cheering and waving their little white handkerchiefs because they knew he was deaf and they wanted him to know that they loved what they saw. And what he was doing wasn't perfect. Was there a lot of things that he could have done differently or he didn't need to do? Was there a lot of do's and don'ts? So, absolutely. But that wasn't the point. Beethoven was living his life. He was giving it everything that he had. And it was good. Good. Not perfect. But good. And for you, you have this beautiful, incredible thing that's been handed to you, and it is your life. And you get to live it every single day, and the rest of us are better off because you live your life. And you're good. I w wouldn't it be great if you would just, can, can you feel the weight a little bit come off your shoulders? If you actually say that and believe it down in your soul that you're good, can you feel a little bit of the pressure come off? I know, somebody hand in the back. Hey, wait a minute, I thought somebody messed up and eat a piece of fruit and, and the whole thing went to pot. Yep, okay, let's talk about it. That's a good story, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up, person in the back. So let's talk about that. Anybody heard this story about Adam and Eve and a snake? Okay, and a piece of fruit. So let's talk about the weird piece of fruit. You ready? So, here, so here's what happened if you're, a little, if you're not up to speed on it. So uh, after God created the man and the woman and put them in a garden, he said, don't eat of, the, don't eat of this fruit of this tree. And so uh, a snake comes up and talks to Eve like snakes do, right? We had a conversation with a snake recently. Um, that's for people who take things too literally. So anyway, the snake comes up and talks, starts, talking to, starts talking to Eve and says, hey, why don't you eat of that fruit of that tree? She says, I can't eat of that fruit of that tree. If I eat of the fruit of that tree, God says I'm going to die. And he convinces her it's good food to eat. She eats it. And then she takes it and she gives it to her husband and he eats it. And then they go hide because they're naked. And so they're hiding. And God comes around and says, hey, where are you at? And they say, we're hiding. They say, why are you hiding? We're we don't have any clothes on. Well, who told you you didn't have any clothes on? Did you eat of the fruit I told you not to eat of? Did you do something I said that you're not supposed to do? Now listen, here's the important part. Death was on the line. 
Eve had told the snake, we're going to die if we eat the fruit. Death was on the line. And I've heard a lot of people, they take it the other way. Oh, it was spiritual death. No, they were worried about dying. They were worried about dying. And so when God starts that, hey, they quickly throw everybody under the bus. Very quickly. Very quickly. Man says, hey, hey the, the, that lady, give it to me. I eat it because she gave it to me. And she goes, hey, the snake tricked me. And so here's what happened. God says to the serpent, hey, you're cursed. And look at what he tells the lady. I will multiply your pains in childbirth. By the way, he didn't say, hey, lady, you're cursed. You won't find that anywhere. This was more like a result of what's going to happen because of what you did. Oh, and check this out. You smart people that, ha- that are not familiar with this, you're picking up on this. They're not going to, not only are they not going to die, what is she going to do? She's going to bring more life into this world. Why in the world would God let evil, worthless, sorry people continue to exist? Because they weren't evil, sorry, worthless people. They were good. They were created in his image. And so are you. Look at what he tells the guy. He says, the ground's going to be cursed, but it's for your good. And out of it, you're going to get food. What do you need food for? To stay alive, to feed your family. God says, look, not only are you not going to die. Not only was this not some transactional deal between you and I. Not only are you not going to die, but you're going to live and you're going to have more of you. And you're going to have life. We were riding down the road the other day. We were riding down the road and, and, and traffic kind of stopped. And it was like something was up in front. I couldn't see around the cars. And as we were coming around a curve, I could see a couple cars up onto the side. There was a guy on a bicycle that was kind of pulled off to the side of the road. It looked like he was in the middle of the road, and he kind of pulled off to the edge. And I'm like, okay. So the guy's out there in the middle of the road. He just kind of pulled off. That's why we were all slowing down. And I just kind of glanced at him. And as, as, I was, as we started to go around him, the car in front of me apparently had waved to the guy. And as he was turning around, in a split second, I saw, hey, that guy didn't just ride in a bicycle. He's got, like, stuff on it. And it's summertime, and he's got, like, layers of clothes. And in a, in a matter of seconds, I go, oh, he, this, this guy's either in really bad times or he's homeless. Gray hair, old. I thought that for that second, and as he turned around and looked at the car in front of me, He smiled as big as you could ever imagine. He didn't have a tooth in his whole head. And he threw up the peace sign to the car that was riding by. And what I saw in the eyes of a homeless man on a bicycle was a guy who was alive and loving life and living it. And it was beautiful. When I graduated from college, one of my first jobs out of college, uh, I was a, an assistant pastor in a church in Baltimore, Maryland. We were not, I wasn't there that long, and, and, they get, and somebody called and said, hey, my great uncle is sick, and would like somebody from the church to go by, and I'm the new guy, so I get the new guy thing here. And so me and my wife, we go. And if you've never been to Baltimore and seen a row home, it's, it's one of, it's, we grow up here, we don't understand it. When you go there, it's a unique thing to see. But these little narrow houses all stacked on top of each other, and you have to walk through a front room to get to the, to get to the kitchen. And we got to this man's house. He was an old Dutch man. And I remember meandering through the front room, going back to his little kitchen. And he was sitting at this little small kitchen table. 
He had cancer. They'd given him months, a couple months to live. This guy was going to die. He was way up in age. And I sat down, and he had this black cast iron skillet sitting there with this pig's foot that was laying in it. And his wife told me, yeah, he felt really good yesterday. And he felt like having a roasted pig's foot because it was something he ate when he was a kid. And she kind of was like gagging about it. And he had to roast it all night in the oven. And I watched this old man dying of cancer, sitting there picking little pieces of meat off of a pig's foot, something he did when he was a kid. And I saw the eyes of a dying man living his life, and it was beautiful, and it was good. Several years ago, I was over in one of the hallways over here, and a senior girl walked up to me, a girl I'd known for a long time, ever since she was in sixth grade. And we were talking, catching up. I hadn't seen her in a while. And she was telling me what was going on in her life, and it was, we were having fun, and she goes, hey, you know, I changed. I said, what do you mean? She says, I changed a couple years ago. I said, and it just kind of caught me off guard. I said, well, why? What, what, what do you mean you changed? She goes, yeah, I, I, I quit hanging around uh, people, and I changed what I did with my life, and I started do, doing other things differently. And, and, and I said, well, okay. And so I said, why? What, what was, why? She said, you know, I was thinking about what it would look like for me to grow up and get old and living the life I was living then. And I didn't like the future version of myself. And I decided that I didn't want to be that future version. So I realized I needed to make some changes. It was the wisest thing I've ever heard a kid or a teenager or an adult say. It wasn't, hey, I need to, I need to don't do or do. It was my future life kind of sent me a note back and said, hey, look, we need to talk. I want to be with you when you get older and some things have got to change because we have a life to live. You have a life to live, and you are good. See, the order matters. The order matters. Yes, yes. Did they eat a piece of fruit? Did sin happen? Absolutely. But that's the second part of the story. We begin with we are good. We begin with we are good. Yes, sin's a part of the story. Yes, screw-ups and mess-ups are a part of our story. But they are not our story because here's the deal. What we do is not who we are. Who we are is what we do. And you're good because God created you good. I was walking up the driveway the other day. I got a half mile long driveway, live out in the middle of nowhere. I was with my son Cash and we were walking up the driveway. It was, it was cool. It wasn't cold, but cool. It was evening, sun was setting behind us. The leaves had started to change. It was absolutely beautiful. And I'm walking with one of my best friends in the whole world, my kid. And it was like something woke inside of me. It was like, hey, pay attention. Life is happening right now, and it's beautiful. It's happening right now, and it's beautiful. And, and, and I couldn't describe it. Words, I could, if I tried to describe it to you, it would fail. All I, could, all I kept saying... Under my breath was, I'm so thankful that I am here right now experiencing this. You get that. You have that. So, 
as you leave tonight, may you, may you realize that you're good. May you realize that you have a beautiful life that is a gift that is yours, that you get to live. May you realize that you're not worthless, that you're not valueless, but you are valuable. May you see this incredible life as a gift that is given to you. And may you live. Thank you. You listened so well. Thanks for listening. If you would like to get more information on Impact Student Ministry or The Summit Church, visit us online at thesummitchurch.net.